What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. A very happy new year to everybody and a very happy new year to New York Knicks and Toronto Raptors fans. We are hopping on today to talk about the big trade that went down yesterday. As you can see, I'm representing both brands here to talk talk about this trade. A few other bits to mention as we go, but that is the major news. Chris, how were your holidays? Good times? It's it's fantastic, and and what better way to you know kind of break up the you know the mundane family vacation. Eventually, you kind of need a, a little bit of uh, sports to to get you out of. Uh, I don't I don't know anyone else anyone else traveling right now. I know it's difficult. You go home, you visit the parents. You need you need a little you need a little escape, and the Knicks provided that for me. We finally got the trade, man. I'm excited. I knew you were more excited than me. You've been waiting for something like this. This is probably. The what the second splashiest trade in the last yeah decade? I mean like it, it's yeah it's, trying it, to think it, about it's, it but yeah it like seems it's like the biggest one in a while yeah it's it's definitely a pretty a pretty big move from them and uh, when I first saw it how it was first represented by uh, by Woj on on Twitter had me a little bit worried when I saw they had traded Barrett quickly and draft considerations just for OG Ananobi I just. was kind of like. Uh, we've just given away our two major assets and probably a couple of first round picks just to get OG Ananobi. That had me a little bit worried. Obviously, then more came out. We Achua was also included on the deal. We had only given up one second round pick. And then when you look at it that way, you're like, yeah, this is actually a really smart deal from the New York Knicks to get a guy that they believe is a better fit around uh, around Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. They they think OG Ananobi is the guy they wanted RJ Barrett to be. Manuel quickly is clearly a guy that they did not want to pay. So the only options were losing for nothing or paying money they didn't want to pay him. So yeah, I mean, nice bit of business from the Knicks. Surprisingly clever, smart bit of business. But I also think it's leading up to another move before the deadline. Probably. So all in all. Just you, you finally broke it down. You finally had time to think about it. What are you going to grade this for the Knicks? How do you feel about how they, what they got out of it, the value and everything? I know you're a tough grader, so I'm yeah, I'm a tough grader. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go give, <laughs> give him a B plus on this. I think it, it could it could work okay. out better, but I, obviously, like they've left a big hole in their their bench scoring. Uh, they've obviously traded off their their kind of two main assets in terms of draft, uh, in terms of like yeah. trading different guys. But the fact that they got a guy like OG, who was apparently worth three or four first round picks last uh, last year for without giving up a, a first rounder, that's obviously a, a really smart move from them. And I think especially if we are able to to work another move or maybe another couple of moves before uh, before the trade deadline, I think it could definitely it could definitely work out. But I do like the fit of OG alongside uh, Brunson and Randall. Thinking we get the we get enough scoring from those two guys. OG comes in as a solid shooter and a really good defender that's that's a big plus yeah all right i i gotta get my grading straight then because i i have this slate as an a is an a for you like like an all-time fleece like a like a gobert for a million picks or like old paul pierce and kevin garnett for a million picks is that is that the only a no no i just like it like let's 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 see let's (laughs) see how let's see how it plays out like on paper there's, this wouldn't be the first trade that looked great on paper and then didn't work out as uh, as expected. And I also think what comes next is also important. If this is the end of the Knicks business, you're not really thinking too too highly yeah. of it. It's more yeah. it's more the fact that they still have the assets to make another move on from this. Yeah, I, I got to think too about the fact where, thinking about where RJ Barrett and where Quickly were in terms of value, they were not like all-time high value right now. And it's already known that other teams have tried to get OG four picks and, and it rumored multiple first round picks and always, we always never know like who's actually putting out those rumors. So that could be the other team that could be the Raptors just trying to make it seem like, okay, this is what he's worth. But all things considered, you're trading two guys, one who you're going to lose in the off season two. I mean, RJ it's, it's emotionally tough. It is difficult. A guy that you want to believe in and, a guy that you could argue still has so much untapped potential still. You never know when guys like that figure it out. And maybe he figures it out back home in Canada. And then you're like, wow, we we traded for OG and we gave up two players that just blossomed. That could look tough. But in a vacuum, just looking at the values of these two guys, 
they were they they were not at an all-time low but they certainly weren't at an all-time high and it was only going to get worse they're going to get less leverage and they didn't give any picks any picks so they still have four first round picks to play around with and um i think i think i want to get to that later like who you'd want to um add now but just thinking about the fit now that let's i, I just want to imagine now how much better the Knicks get on both ends of the floor now that you have the spacing from OG, one of the best corner shooters in, in leagues for the past four years, he's been a reliable 40% spot-up shooter. He's a guy that shoots 44% from the corners. And that's been something that you've really been missing in that starting lineup. Like, does the Knicks offense get even better? Like, Brunson has another guy that he can really kick to and rely on. And same thing with Randall. And when he's playing in the post, this this could make both ends of the floor just really unleash in a new way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's what we're hoping for. Like I like I mentioned, like I think the Knicks believe that they have gone and got a guy that they always wanted RJ Barrett to be become and they they've just gone and traded RJ Barrett to get this guy in. And in terms of like the starting the starting unit, I think the the fit is going to be great. I think he's going to be able to to make an instant impact and obviously anytime a guy that comes in and then his main kind of forte is his defense, that's always going to fit in well with the a Tom Thibodeau system. So as much as like sometimes I could I, I question Tom Thibodeau, it's it's good to see that the Knicks front office is on the same page as him and they're bringing in guys that, that should really suit his system. Uh, the three-point shooting is obviously big. If he, he can maintain those sort of levels, that's a big plus for the Knicks. And what he can bring on defense, because the defense has struggled. It's been a bit of a bit of a struggle on uh, on that end in certain, in certain games this year. And bringing in a guy like him is going to, definitely improve things and I also like the addition of Achua because I think at the very least he's a massive upgrade on Todd Gibson <laughs> oh come on I I mean we'll, we'll we'll have to see some growth from Achua and I'm not going to be shocked if if Achua has to earn that over Taj I'm, I'm not going to be shocked on that um but, but just staying on OG for a second because I do want to get to Achua I, I think he's an underrated addition to this trade especially for the Knicks um on the offensive end we always have the spot of shooting and I'm, I'm a little curious about what OG wants and what he'll get out of this new system with Tibbs. Cause he's obviously, he's going to have such a healthy diet of shooting. He's going to be able to bomb away as long as he wants. And that's something that he'll constantly get offense from. And he's absorbing that from quickly. And they asked RJ to do it. Obviously RJ couldn't do it as good as OG can. So we'll get all that, but we've known that he wants a role more on ball at times to, to create, and it's interesting that I, I do feel like the Knicks are still, especially now losing quickly, still kind of have a need for another perimeter creator. And does OG have enough to maybe to showcase here now that he has, maybe he has a little bit, ironically, more opportunity here to do so, fill in RJ Barrett's role, because um, RJ was asked to create a times for the perimeter. Can we expect that from him too in the Knicks system? Or is he just constantly going to be spotting out? That That's a curious part of growth for me. Him. Yeah, I guess I guess that's something we should possibly see. Yeah, he takes over Barrett's role in terms of the starting lineup. Maybe he gets a bit of a run with the second unit now and, and kind of takes on the the mantle of, uh, of of IQ a little bit there as well. Like there's there's definitely the the possibilities for that. Obviously, he didn't have the choice to say yeah. I, I doubt he got to give the green light to this trade. So it's hard to say he's definitely going to a spot where you know he's going to get everything that he wants, but. In terms of what the Knicks have given up, I think there's there's definitely a chance that he gets the opportunity, especially if he plays uh, some significant minutes with the second unit, which I think to start he probably will, uh, given that we've lost Emmanuel quickly. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how that grows because we do know that that other part of his game he's really good at is you know bullying smaller players. He can play well in the post in a not-too-dissimilar way that R.J. Barrett does. Um, Straight-line drives really using his strength to, to score inside and not really uh, scoring in between. So maybe there's a part of his game there that we just haven't had a chance to see yet that he'll have with the Knicks. But um, before we move on to thinking about like who else maybe the Knicks need to kind of fill this out, because this feels like kind of a, th this feels like to me a realization of how good this team can be. Cause you know, it's, it's not like, all right, well let's wait to see if, if RJ blossoms or if IQ blossoms. It's like, hey, we, we have we have Jalen Brunson. Like Jalen Brunson is a all-star caliber player. He's a he's an all he's a borderline, you know, all NBA player. And 
you know, we're getting finally some good play out of Randall and the offense is doing well. Like, why not? Why not push for that? So it, this signals for me like a very different perspective than I thought maybe it would just be a natural process to figure out where you go with RJ in the offseason. So I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, like if they're going to make another move, is there somebody or a type of player that makes sense that they need? Um, it's yeah. I was kind of thinking about that yesterday, and there's no one I think that that kind of really screams out to page. Like I was seeing a few things, a couple of guys commenting on the trade, and that, and maybe trying to get a guy that can uh, fill that gap in terms of like the the bench scoring that IQ has left. Maybe someone with a bit more size. I think size is the thing that I think the Knicks are are looking to add. I think a reason why they did they were they were happy to get rid of IQ is that he didn't have the size to to really complement uh, to complement Brunson in a good way and also was a, a too similar of a game to Jalen Brunson. So I think they'll be looking at there's more likely another addition in the front court rather than going towards uh, more guards. I think and I, like I think they're going to look to get Grimes a few more touches there now that mm-hmm. uh, IQ is out and. Uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't really come up with any names specifically, but I think someone with a bit of size that can uh, that can fill that that scoring gap that IQ has left, I think, will be the target for them now. Hmm. Uh, maybe like an Obi Toppin type of player. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think Achua, I think Achua could surprise, and and I'm I'm super hot and cold with Achua because he has such flashes of like insane athleticism, like when he attacks a closeout. And he, like, he doesn't look 6'8". I mean, dude, dude plays like seven foot when he's going downhill. Now, you don't see that from the interior defensively, which makes me wonder if he's going to have kind of the Cam Reddish treatment where Tom Thibodeau is like, hey, like, you can't do what I want you to. Okay, then, sorry, no minutes. Taj Gibson is going to play drop defense well. He's going to defend the paint well. And he's going to do his job, and he's going to do it exactly how Tom Thibodeau wants, and he's not going to complain. But I, I think Precious Achua is, is a very different type of player that could do some of that. And I think that um, you know he's never reached a, a point of being like an elite shooter, but they've never had a big that could really stretch the floor like that. And Achua is someone who he will, he will not be shy about shooting threes. And that could really be an interesting dynamic to this offense if you start to spread the floor like that, where you have a five – who could shoot the three and then you have Randall in the post and you have Ananobi who can shoot the three Grimes. And then finally you act like that missing little piece there could put out lineups where you actually have some unbelievable spacing for both Brunson and Randall. But that all begs the question of number one, if a Chua gets a minute to even like get to a comfort spot there, you know, acclimating to where his teammates want him to take those shots. And that's something that we saw in Toronto. He wasn't always in the right positions to, you know, create from the perimeter. But I, I, I'm really curious to see if he's that guy. If, if you want a front court addition, if Achua was that, um, or if he's just kind of a throw in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, obviously, it, it's kind of looking at it. Obviously, the Knicks need that a bit more size. Obviously, they, uh, we apparently, we don't know for sure. Maybe Mitchell Robinson's gone for the year. We're not, uh, mm-hmm. we don't know for sure yet. Uh, like, they got that, that exemption to, uh, to, uh, to sign another player. And I think they were just looking to add that little bit more size to the team. Obviously, in an ideal world, they wouldn't have had to bring back Taj Gibson as much as he just does a solid job. Precious Chua should be in a position to come in and take the minutes off of Taj Gibson. If he's not doing that, then then it's it's a, a failure on his part, and also makes you kind of think that the Knicks kind of that was just an addition just to to make the the money add up, you know? Yeah. Uh, what about Sims? It, it Sims. This is uh my Knicks ignorance. Is Sims out for? Uh long period of time because he's someone too that no no I, I think he's back he's back now I think he was I don't know if, I don't think he played last night but I think he was back on the bench last night at least yeah because because then you got two that that's where the Knicks gets start to get a little bit fun and you're gonna have two hyper athletic smaller bigs that can play in the pick and roll that um or can really run the fast break and then you can start to really play a lot faster and then you start mixing that in with Josh Hart we know we like he likes to play fast um but I guess I don't think about the front court. I think a little bit about, you know, if if on the perimeter you have Jalen Brunson who's getting doubled, yeah, you, you can your release valve is to the perimeter to OG. He's going to shoot the three. 
or you throw it to Randall. But I, I think there's there's another need for a guy who can create his own shot and can get downhill and start to create some offense. And I, I'm really – does the name Jordan Clarkson, does that interest you at all? That's a guy who I think is ultimately his time in Utah will be done. And they need to make room for other guys to grow there. And he's cheap. I, I think he'll come on the cheap. And he's a guy that is always going to be able to to create something off the dribble. And he's and he also has shown that when you need him to be a playmaker, he can do that. But he doesn't need to be the guy. He doesn't need to be that. He doesn't need to have the ball all the time. And he's, he's shown that both in his time in L.A. and especially now in Utah. What's yeah, that's that's definitely that's definitely an end. This has me. He's definitely, even if it's not to uh, to the New York Knicks, if he can get to a team that's a competitor, I don't like. I think it's a bit crazy that he isn't on a team that uh, that is looking to compete. Given what he can add, like it's a, it's a bit of a shame that he's uh, that he's playing in Utah, which is a team that are in in rebuild mode. So yeah, I think that that's actually a very interesting name. I think that'll be. A nice addition to the team and a guy that you can uh, rely on to to deliver on the offensive end consistently and a, a lot cheaper than what they probably would have been with uh, having to pay IQ or home run swing. What say you for Levine? But that would cost you first round pick. That's when you're you're digging into maybe three three first round picks because they're not they're not going to be great first round picks. And obviously Evan Fournier is just. He's, he's he he may be. I'm really curious if 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 Fournier ends up just getting ex, uh, re-signed on a team option next year, just to keep him around as like basically a trade exception. Like he is a walking trade exception at this point. But what what, what say you kind of selling most of the farm for Levine and saying, all right, th- this is our core: Levine, Brunson, Randall, OG, um, and then you kind of fill out the rest of whoever's playing the front court. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, I I don't really like the idea of going all in uh, on uh, on Levine because I'm like, how much is he really? Does he really push the needle for us? But at the same time, who knows if that needle pusher is out there at this moment in time? The 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 player isn't there, and if we have the opportunity to go get him, it's not going to make us a worse team. So and for the most part, if we're just giving up the draft capital, maybe yeah, why why not just pull the plug and, and just go all out on that and and see where we go from there. I mean, that's unfortunately the 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 real guy that we really need. He just he he's just not there. The the player is yeah. not there, and I I don't see I have a huge difference between say waiting on maybe Donovan Mitchell becoming available and Zach Levine. <laughs> really, I don't think yeah. there's a ginormous difference there. So. As much as I wouldn't be saying, oh, we need to do it, I don't think it'd be a, a crazy move either. Yeah, I I think the that that always makes me think about um, the guys that you already mentioned, like Grimes. And is that is that the guy that's on your roster? So like, it's besides Grimes, anyone else on this roster that ends up putting things together in a meaningful way that you don't have to make a trade right now. There's no right now trade. It, is is it Grimes? Do you really think he's going to? show a lot more with with more touches more shots and they just re-signed mcbride surprising move i think a guy that other teams are, are interested in as well um do you do you feel like that's the departure of quickly the departure of rj barrett is that not only going to allow og to grow in his new environment but also these guys too you had to think so. I think obviously the way that they that it kind of went down, maybe it was just coincidence. But the fact that like as soon as they trade off of IQ and RJ, they re-sign uh, Sly McBride, and and there's there's talk instantly about how how Grimes is going to get more of a chance uh, within the offense. So yeah, you have to think that that's a that's something that they're looking towards, but also something they know they they don't have to rely on, and then if it's not working, they can they can move from there. Yeah, um, let's think about our our former Knicks. I, I think, you know, for the Knicks, uh, just closing on them, like, I feel like this really makes their chances of making it deep in the playoffs a, a lot higher. Just given the perimeter defense you get from OG, I think that takes them up a whole another notch. Um, you are right. They're missing kind of that, that front court piece. If if, Rob, if Mitchell's gone, they really need to find a way to, to defend the paint. But 
huge, huge for them making it further in playoffs. For the Raptors, I am intrigued. I'm very curious how this offense is going to look. Um, how do you feel about RJ's place now? He's going to a play, to a spot where Scotty is the number one guy, so RJ's still not the number one guy. He's also going to a team that really desperately needs a perimeter-oriented point guard. So quickly, ironically, seems to have a more natural fit on this team than RJ. Um, they have not traded off of Siakam yet. A guy who you know has started to take a backseat to to Scotty, is he also going to relinquish some playmaking to RJ as well? Um, to be continued. So how do we feel about where where RJ's place is and what does he what can he do on this team to like reclaim you know some value, some belief in him? It seems like being traded away from the Knicks, the people who really believed in him, that's got to be tough for him. Yeah, I, I assume it's hurting, but like I mean, like going going back home, he's going back to uh, to play for his uh for for the the only team from Canada in the NBA. He's he's going to a situation that's not quite as uh as hostile and difficult as it appears to be sometimes when you're playing in New York. And I guess like the the instant aim is to to go and and uh, fill in seamlessly for for OG. That's like the the beginning spot. Like like I was mentioning, like it kind of just feels like the Knicks have added a. Uh, player that they thought RJ Barrett was going to become in, in OG Ananobi. So can he now go into Toronto and really fill that gap? Maybe. Maybe the, the having that bit of pressure off, maybe going into a situation where there's not as much expectations, maybe that could be a big plus for RJ Barrett. But early signs, it's just, it, it's just going to be a, a wait and see on RJ, see how he fits in, see how different it might be if they ultimately trade off with Siakam. I think I'm definitely more excited about the instant fit of IQ than I am about RJ Barrett in Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's a guy that we can talk more on here, to be honest, because with RJ, it is a wait and see. And with RJ, it's 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 such a tired conversation because it really just comes up to, you know, can can he be a spot of shooter? And he answered that for a couple months. And then December, uh, that just disappeared. And, you know, shooters go through slumps and if he is a shooter now, maybe this is just a slump and he'll come out of it, but that's just always going to be the one thing that holds him back and will hold him back with Scotty. Like you need to surround Scotty with shooters. The Raptors know that. And the Raptors got rid of their arguably most reliable shooter. And, you know, it, I, I just don't think, I don't think that RJ will survive there if they don't trade off Siakam. So I, I can't imagine they won't trade off of him, but the most exciting pairing here is really, you know, Scotty and Rickley. Like these two guys who are just instant offense, the way they can create for themselves and the way that, you know, how dynamic quickly can be as a starter. I mean, we've seen his numbers that he put up last season. He slots into the starting lineup here. And what do we expect from him off the bat? Like, is he closer to a Sadiq Bay kind of deal where Pistons didn't want to trade him and then they, or they didn't want to sign him, they didn't want to pay him, give him that role. And now we kind of know, oh, okay, City Bay is who he is. We're just closer to a Harden kind of thing. Okay, so he gets up Harden and then he explodes on his own. Not to say that he's going to be that level of player, but kind of the the ascent. What do we expect? Yeah, I mean, I, I like I, I expect him to, offensively, I, I expect him to be quite similar. But of course, coming in as a as a starter, which is what I kind of hope to see him come in and be, be the starting point guard in, in Toronto. He's obviously going to have to uh, to be a bit better when it comes to sharing the ball. So you're looking at him and thinking he can. He's averaging he's averaging 15 points per game off the bench in New York. He becomes a starter. He he's playing 30 plus minutes a, a night in Toronto. You really like to see him become a a 20 and five guy, a guy that that really gets a lot of shots. He still stays uh, effective shooting the three ball. And obviously, you know, he's going to bring it hard in the defensive end, which is also always a big plus when you get that out of your point guard. But offensively, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not going to go crazy and say he's instantly going to become like get, get their perennial all-star sort of level. But I think I'm excited to see what he can do in, in a in a freer sort of role, in a role where he's uh, expected to do more. I, I want to just like go through some experiences we had last year with him. So as a starter... 
he averaged 22.6 points, 5.4 rebounds, 5.1 assists, 21 games. He had a 36-point game against San Antonio. He had a 38-point game against Boston. He had a 40-point game against Houston, 39 points against Indiana, although I guess everyone can drop 40 on Indiana. And then another 30-point game against Indiana. Like, he just had – like, he's poised to do stuff like that for the rest of the season, I think, if you give him the minutes. Um, and just thinking of the the actions that you can run off of Scotty, off of quickly with how quickly they can get downhill and really just suck in a defense and create spacing for others. Maybe that that's why it's so imperative that, that RJ, if, if he can get back to shooting form, like what he was, mm-hmm. when he was shooting 40% from three earlier on the season, that that's where things will start to shift from him. Cause both of these guys off of dribble handoffs, off of pick and roll, um, I mean, just very simple stuff that they can run next to each other. That's just going to create so many opportunities for other guys. And this is where, like, trade trade Siakam and bring up like bring up Grady Dick. Who cares if you guys suck? Like, th- is Grady Dick really not able to play in the NBA right now? Like, mm-hmm. where is this guy? And make, and that's gonna be that's gonna be such a whiff on a draft if if he really as a rookie at no point if he can even be a just play 15 minutes in a game because this is going to be, a, this is what you need to start to see. Um, but super excited to see both Scotty and, and quickly and what kind of offense that they can put together. And then defensively too, like how, how dynamic they're going to be on the perimeter. I, I think that they really got a great return. I mean, just unbelievable return for, mm-hmm. for OG, even though you didn't get your first round picks. I think you've got a guy that a lot of teams believe like, is going to get a lot better and it's going to hurt for the Knicks like to, to see him do better, but bigger picture for team success with that. Um, but yeah, man, just th- those two guys together on the court, I think they could be a, a duo for, for half a decade, a decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for, for sure. And I was like, I'm going to hate it. Like, uh, or as much as I, I was losing my faith in RG over the last while, IQ is a guy that I really loved in New York. Um, like I mentioned before, it, it I really wanted him only to leave and if he was going for a legit star, but I get I get why they had to make the move. I just really hope he can thrive now in, in Toronto. I think that uh, I, I I'm excited to see where his career goes from here because IQ is a guy that I, I, I always believed in. Where where is so we talk about Siakam. Do do you have any other ideas now? It's it seems like the market hasn't shifted in any meaningful way. They're still shopping him and we know that they need to they're they're moving towards the youth movement. They they don't Siakam is gonna leave in the offseason. And that also leads me to question, you know, what what is his actual value? Like who needs to sign for him either to be more competitive this season or to you know avoid a, a bidding war if they can't afford to do so in the summer. And it's it's tough. Do you have any teams off the top of your head that or is that list not changed? The Hawks, I think I feel like he's gonna end up in Atlanta. I feel like they're they're in the position where they need to make a change. Obviously, it's been a pretty poor start to the year so far for them. They've had a few little runs, but for the most part, they're still well, pretty well below uh, five hundred. They're still losing a lot more games that they uh, that they you know, they maybe expect them to be winning. I don't know what for for sure would be the would be the package. Would it definitely make a huge change, Atlanta? I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I think what he can bring would be a, a positive addition, and and it depends what they have to give up. But I think Atlanta is a realistic spot and a team that are going to be needed to make a move. Yeah, maybe they they now the Hawks have a different situation where Jalen Johnson's arrived and he's their third best player, probably. I'd say definitely. So. What does that do for Hunter? What does that do for Bay? Maybe Toronto just needs to get guys. Hey, you spot up and shoot. That's fine. We we need to grow this system here, and you just need some. Maybe they don't need to make a huge splash. The the Hawks they don't have to give up to anything too crazy, and then you just need to trade some some perimeter guys for that. Um, maybe if they got they got uh, if they got Hunter <clears throat> Hunter two would Hunter and two first no, that be too Bob, much? Bogdanovich. I, I'm asking like I'm demanding Bogdanovich. And yeah, fair, fair, fair. Getting a getting a dynamic shooter, mm-hmm. um, especially especially from three, the guys who can shut that that is that's the exact kind of player the the Hawks are gonna want or the 
Raptors are going to win. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a good call. Yeah. And I think that the reason the Hawks keep coming to mind is just the the desperation factor because Pacers make so much sense. And then like, um, if you're a Jalen Smith guy, maybe you're, you're like, all right, Jalen Smith, new situation. That's going to be somebody that maybe is going to make some sense for the Raptors. Um, and then you think about what do the Pacers need? A two-way player like Siakam who's going to bring it on the defensive end and then give them presence inside. Plays their style too, the way he gets up and down the court. Makes a lot of sense basketball-wise, but then you think about the economics of it. And the Pacers, they're, I feel like we've come to a point where the Pacers are, they're not coming down to earth per se, but it's not like their arrival is right now. Mm-hmm. True. They know that they still need to grow, and they don't need to do anything right now. They don't need to be trigger happy because they also have cap space. So they could just sign, they could just sign and be like, all right, we'll see what we get, and then we don't have to trade anything. We'll just wait till the summer. We don't need to win right now. And, <laughs> And I, I never know what to do. I feel like the Warriors are becoming like the new the the new Knicks uh Twitter fan base where anyone comes available like all right, all right. That we're we're trading for I don't know how. Would would that make any sense? I mean the Warriors are pretty desperate. I mean make it, make it make sense. Oh that that makes sense. The desperation that makes sense. Desperation is where it, it, like that's that's a big part of the trade deadline for for, for, for the most part. Desperation plays it plays a huge factor. I mean, yeah. I mean, they don't like they they probably end up trading off uh, of Andrew Wiggins in that sort of situation. So I mean, like Siakam wouldn't be someone that would be like taking away from what the Warriors' best guys do. I think he'd be a positive addition. Is it something I could see them doing? Probably not, but. I'm not sure what the package would really look like. I guess it would include Wiggins. I don't know what they have in terms of draft capital. I can't imagine that they have the the player assets to to trade uh, to trade uh, alone for for Siakam. I, I don't know, but like, would they have to include Wiggins and, and like a Kaminga? That would be too oh, yeah. much. Oh, no? like would that be too much? No, that'd be fair because Wiggins sucks. Yeah, that's Kuminga true. Hasn't proven anything. <laughs> Like and I I I hate saying that because I, I like I was so getting all the Canadian boys back in Toronto. You know that <laughs> they need to do that. All right, can we create a package with Shea? Yeah. Obviously not. I'm kidding. Nobody quote me. But I just listing out desperate teams like that. Maybe that's there. Um, obviously the dream team. In my mind, dream team. If, if we're just gonna name one, I'll have you name one too. The one that may, maybe makes sense, maybe it doesn't. But the team that I'm like, all right, they with. With Siakam, maybe they win a championship. I know one, and it is the Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. If if that if that got sorted out, um, which it's a dream, it's a dream. Um, that that is the team that I think would just take off. That that would just take off. That's a great show. I love that. Yeah, do you have another one? No, I, I, that's that, that 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 has me excited now. Here and saying that, like that, that's that'd be a team I'd love. I'd love to see Pascal Siakam in, in in Dallas. Like, the, like we mentioned, they they finally made a a, a good draft after uh, drafting uh, Doncic when they got when they got Derek Lively. If they could find a way to make a move for a two way player like Pascal Siakam, I think that'd be huge, huge for Dallas. And I think that's something that they should be considering without going. No, actually, whatever. Go crazy. They have Luka Doncic. He's generational talent. They got to do whatever yeah. they can to to get winning as soon as possible. But I think it, it, the random team too. Last one first, Siakam on the line. You, you just got to survey the league. Who has what you need for Scotty? Because I, I I'm curious. What are they going to do? Are they going to just look for first round picks? Or are they going to look for talent that makes sense? You know, they're obviously not in win now mode. I think they could do both if they're talking to the Nets. The Nets have a lot of perimeter wings. They have a lot of guys who can space the floor, play defense, and play around Scotty. Um, They've got like six of the same player of basically. That's, that's, that's <laughs> they, the Nets in, in a nutshell. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, they love Cam Johnson. They love him. But do they want to? They they want a team that wins. They they don't want to just be building for the future. They've made that clear. Mikael Bridges is clearly their guy. Is there a deal there? They have, in terms Kill of what Bridges they actually is clearly do. their guy, is he? What about Cam Thomas, man? I've, 
<laughs> maybe next year Cam Cam Thomas will have his full arrival, you know. Um, but that the Nets are, I feel like a dark horse team that they have a lot of assets that make sense for. In terms of fit for Toronto, I think the Nets would definitely be a, a great team to to make a deal with if they could get a guy like Cam Johnson. I think that'd be a perfect fit in Toronto, in terms of like the timeline and everything as well. Yeah, I think that'd be a that'd be a dream move. But at the same time, I'm like. Will the Nets be aggressive enough to make to make that deal happen? I'm not hundred percent sure, but uh, yeah, I think that that's that's an interesting shout in terms of what makes sense most for Toronto. I think the Nets are definitely a team that they'd like to make a trade with. Yeah, and the, and the Nets are a team that like I have so much talent, so much of too much of the same talent, mm-hmm. and the Raptors, ironically, same problem, and the Nets have shown that they are really good offensively. And somehow have a collection of I mean, Mikael Bridges, like a guy who's considered for Defensive Player of the Year, you know, during Finney Smith, like the the anchor of a uh, randomly good Mavs defense, not too long ago, Cam Johnson, part of the reason the Suns are so good defensively, and they, they have gone and are not Nick Claxton, a guy who's, who was at one point leading the league in blocks. So, too many good defensive players to not mix in something and think like, hey, mixing ingredient. Like you just got to find that like the, there's the desperation teams and the realistic teams who if the Nets wanted to say hey we want to be competitive in the playoffs let's get Siakam throw some young players plus Cam Johnson Toronto's way and I don't see why that wouldn't be a better deal than what Atlanta could do than what the Pacers wouldn't do than old Andrew Wiggins and Kuminga who can't shoot there's there's very few teams like the Nets that could sell exactly what they're looking for but i rest my case brooklyn nets watch out for them watch out for them not not any noise no reporting but too much sense both from team perspective and player fit yeah yeah well that's a that's a, that's a good shout those last two shouts on your part dallas mavericks in terms of a team that should go for him and the nets in terms of a team that really makes sense for for toronto that's good work go go right great work out of you there chris you got me thinking there now off the cuff there you go and then well, I guess the final point we should make then, what do we what do we grade this deal for the Toronto Raptors? I, I would say <laughs> you're the hard grader, I'm the I'm the easy grader. Um all right, wins it with quickly, absolutely. Um with Barrett, eh, let's go with I'll I'll stick with the B plus because they didn't get any first round picks. Mm-hmm. I'll stick with the B plus because they didn't get any first round picks, and I'm and I'm not sure. I'm more confident that Barrett will become a problem in terms of trying to fit with their guy, who is Scotty, um, than I am that he will evolve into the guy they need him to be, a la the last three, four years in New York. So B plus or B, B plus, but quickly, man, that just the, the allure of that, I think I got to stick with B plus. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think I'd agree there. I think I agree on everything you're saying there about uh about RJ as well, unfortunately. But then uh, let's let's move on then a few of the fast break points. The uh, the real reason we had to hop on today, the Detroit Pistons finally Woo! won a game of basketball. Woohoo! That only took them twenty nine games. So the streak is over twenty eight. They don't hold the record, the sole record by themselves in terms of straight uh straight losses, but Damn, did they make hard work of that against against the Raptors? They they there was like pulling teeth there coming towards the uh, t- towards the end of that game. Like it, it just watching like the last thirty seconds took like half an hour. Like is this game ever going to end? The the uh, the Raptors just kept on choking. But uh, thankfully for the Pistons, they finally they finally picked up that W. My question for you now is, how long is their next losing streak going to be? Uh, mm, I don't. My, well, my question was going to be, have they figured things out a little bit? They've they've been more competitive. The, yeah. Look how look look how they played against the, the Celtics, um, and I believe in what we've seen from Cade. I, I don't, I don't think that they will lose more than five games in a row for the rest of the season. Okay, is that, a hot, is that a hot take? Is that a hot take? That, that shouldn't be slightly hot. hot. I mean, it's it's it, it's take. slightly hot. It's just funny that they're not as far behind uh, a, co- a few teams as they yeah you think they should be having lost twenty eight straight games like they're not too far behind like the Spurs or the uh, or the Wizards or even a few, few few other teams which is just it's just funny when you you kind of only have thought about uh, 
the Pistons yeah. is just being so far and away the worst team by a million miles. And it's, it's really, it's really just not the case, but uh, props to them. They finally, yeah. they finally got a W. Let's see look where Cade, they though. go to from here. Cade. Yeah. And look at Cade. Look, I got to point this out, man. Like four, last 14 games, it's averaged 25.6 points, 7.6 assists, 4.6 rebounds. And he's put up a 31 point game, 43 point game, 41 point game, a 31 point game, a 30 point game. He's really come back around and he's now shooting 51% from the field, shooting 37% from three in those 14 games after a really bad slump. And this is a guy that came off of a year not playing and then came into a brand new system. Every million excuses, right? Why the Pistons suck. But I think that's the biggest part. And I feel like the Pistons have uniquely set themselves up to still be bad and tank while still being like, all right, like Cade's clearly still the guy and a guy for the future. And it's not a completely lost cause. I think maybe maybe they needed they needed this losing streak in order to uh to to find to find themselves, I guess. Cause because I think Cade really I think Cade figured some things out. Sure. Let's go with that. One thing I will say is the <laughs> The Detroit Pistons literally have to become like the next Bulls dynasty to make up for how shit they've been over <laughs> the last over the last 10, 12 years. Like cause it, it has been, it's been it bad. has been absolutely god awful on it. And it's it's really bad that they still haven't even come close to uh come close to figuring it out. But uh, we'll we'll move on from there. Uh one other point I gotta make, uh that uh Timberwolves Lakers game last night. You see that uh that was that was a three point shot by LeBron James. They got they got they got they got done yeah. dirty there. That was a three point shot. I will say LeBron should have done better. He did have the opportunity with that last shot. He should have he should have done better there. Uh, that last play of the game to tie it up. But uh, yeah, they got denied a three, which was uh, couldn't have just given LeBron that on his on his birthday. No, couldn't have, couldn't have done that for him. Uh is NBA rigged? <laughs> NBA rigged. They get more of that conversation in the NFL, so maybe the NBA too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, sports betting, man, it's a lot of money and it's 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 there. It's there for a reason. So I'll just leave it at that. Kind of weird that they looked at it. It's clearly a three. Um I don't love that. That's that soured what should have been an amazing game on, on LeBron's birthday. Yeah, that was good. Like that was a great finish as well. Like uh, it had Anthony Edwards really kind of coming up clutch for the for the T Wolves, that would have been LeBron likely forcing overtime in that game. Like that, that was uh, that was awesome. Obviously, just uh, unfortunately, uh, a disappointing call. I uh, don't think I have anything more to add uh, generally around the NBA at this time. But I want to finish out with a shout out to a couple of guys who really dominated in twenty twenty three. We are heading into twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty three has been a really big year for a lot of guys. So I got a list of five guys that have uh, have made this year. I've made this year their bitch, okay? So number five, I got Anthony Edwards. Obviously had a had a had a had a solid end to the year and then really came alive in that playoffs, even though they they were beaten in five games by the uh by the Nuggets. That was really his coming uh coming coming to the coming to the scene moment there, that, that playoff series. And now this year he's been a huge part of why the Timberwolves are the number one seed, averaging twenty six, five and five, continuing to 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 rise in this game, his profile rises kind of every time you watch him play. And uh, th- th- this year has been a real big breakout year for him. I got to give, um, are we, are we just going player by player? Ant, Ant is, Ant's there. I'm happy you said Ant. I thought you were going to start with Luca. I'm a little disappointed. Nah, nah, Luke, Luke, Luke was there before. Luca, Luke, we all, we, we already knew about Luca. I, I, I've got guys that, uh, for the most part, have really broken out in 2023, and also a couple of guys who have really kind of, have kind of bounced back. That's so I got, I've got a list of five guys. I, I'll, I'll go through them as, as we go, and then, and then you can chime in with a couple other guys that, uh, if you, if I, if you think I missed anyone, okay. So you're, you're happy with that anyway. You, you agree, you're I'm agreeing ha- on I'm that. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. Um, I don't, I don't disagree with it. Happy if he's there, and I'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll we'll see where it ends. Uh, end of the season. I'm I'm very excited to see where he, how he competes in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. and on the Timberwolves as a whole, like maybe if we're talking about twenty, uh, this half of the season, still gotta throw my apology out to Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> Things are still going good there, for sure, for sure, for sure. And then number four, I've got Anthony Davis. I think he's really reestablished himself as a as an elite 
defender and he's really getting back to his offensive game, especially in this half of the season. It started uh, in the playoffs. He was literally the Lakers' entire defense, a huge part of why they were able to get to the Western Conference Finals this year. He remains pretty much their entire defense, but he's also really getting that bit more confidence back in his shot. He's averaging 25-12, blocks. He's shooting 55% from the field. And when you watch him now, you believe in him more. You believe he's going to deliver not just on the defense end, but also consistently as a offensive piece. And that changes that changes things for the Lakers as much as they're still kind of in the mid uh, in terms of their, their record at the moment. When you see AD looking like a legit offensive star, that, that really changes the ceiling for them. I still can't believe how healthy he's been too. Like mm-hmm. that that's been the biggest part. Um Touch so wood. I, don't, I don't know if I <laughs> this is listen, I, I'll give it to Anthony Davis. I'll, I'll give it more so to Anthony Davis medical staff. I don't know what they're doing, but somehow he's uh he's not crumpled to some random injury and he's he's being him. He just feels like him. he's playing through it more. I think he's kind of just getting over like screw that like sitting out for every little niggle. I feel like he's I feel like he's he's had he's had some knocks and hits this season. I feel like he's he's just kind of stepping up and playing through uh playing through things a bit more, which is which is obviously good to see. That's what the best guys have to do. If you're not going to play through injuries, you're not going to have much of a career in the NBA with how long the season is. Yeah, Anthony Davis making a top five list here. Okay, yeah, first for him for a minute. Yeah, and then uh, number number three, obviously a bit of bit of an obvious one, but a guy that I think is worth mentioning, Joel Embiid, won the MVP last year, and he has impressively improved so far this year. He's averaging thirty five, twelve, and six, and two blocks a game, shooting fifty four percent from the field. Really kept this this seventy sixers team uh, just off the top in the in the Eastern Conference when I think a lot of people thought we were going to see a slight drop off from Embiid and a big drop off from the 76ers. He's thriving under Nick Nurse and this whole year has just been unbelievable him. Obviously, people are going to say he didn't deserve that MVP. No, you could say you think Jokic should have won it. You can't say that Joel Embiid did not deserve to win the MVP award. The numbers that he put up, the way he led that that Sixers team and the way he's doing it again this year, he's just been, 2023 has been an unbelievable year for Joel Embiid. And now it's just hoping that in 2024, he has a legit playoff run. Dude, the scoring is like, is insane. It's, he, one, one thing I will say though, is games like Minnesota, like when, when they play the Timberwolves, like it's so hard to watch at times because he's just getting, getting the line 18 times. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I can't, I can't do that. I, I can't do it. But, Dropping 51 points against a team with Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. He's going up against two bigs. And then after that, there's nobody who can defend him. And then the fact that he was dropping – dropped 38 points in 36 minutes against the Hawks. Obviously, who – I mean, who's defending him in Washington? Dropped 50 points in 38 minutes. 30 points in 31 minutes against the Lakers. 35 points in 37 minutes against the, the Thunder. Like he's just score the rate at which he's scoring is insane, and I feel like he's gonna continue to keep it up just given how just easy it is for him to get to the line. But it is crazy though if he misses eleven more games, he won't be able to be voted for MVP. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's interesting. And he's not gonna be MVP this year for that reason. Like they need to rest him. Like he needs to be ready for the playoffs. Who cares about an MVP award? And I'd be great, but at, at this rate, I don't I don't think he's gonna get there. Yeah, and I think there's a good chance he kind of he, he I think he's gonna miss another couple of games, I think, with this ankle sprain that he's got at the moment. So yeah. And you think what is he only gonna miss like nine games between now and the end of the season? No chance. No yeah, chance. It, it's so uh, yeah, it's definitely that's it's definitely gonna be tough, but in terms of what he's delivering on so far in twenty twenty three, he's been huge. And as like you said, as long as he's ready for the playoffs, that's the next step in his career is actually putting together a healthy, legitimate, uh, legitimate playoff run. All right, the top two. Two is an obvious one, mainly mainly breaking out in uh, the second half, twenty twenty three. Tyrese Halliburton, he's really kind of put himself on the map as a as a superstar in this league, averaging twenty five and twelve so far this year, shooting still shooting forty two percent from three, and it feels like he's had he has like a twenty twenty game every every kind of couple of weeks. The the care he takes with the ball, the the scoring that he can provide, the way he's leading this this Pacers team and if he can just find a way to 
to be less of a minus on the defensive end and they can get a bit more talent around them. This is a guy that can lead the, this Pacers team to being consistent playoff contenders over the next decade. Yeah, and super random, but this is a guy that's been in my head. Since you mentioned the Pacers, uh, I'll just put him as a footnote under Tyrese because Tyrese has made everyone on that team better. Um, one guy in particular who I think is making such a unspoken comeback here is Aaron Neesmith. Mm-hmm. Ran, ran, I, I just gotta say because like I I love I love uh, comeback stories in this league and the guy who was a nobody in a trade to the Pacers really a salary dump and the guy who coming into the league was supposed to be you know a real contributor to the Celtics supposed to be their their perimeter shooter defender a guy who's gonna be you know doing what Sam Hauser is doing essentially but at a higher level all of a sudden now he's He's got his shot back. He's on 4.6 attempts. He's shooting 49% from three. Career high. And just watching him play defense, man, they're, they're throwing him on on fours. They're throwing him on th- – he's throwing him on Giannis. The, the stuff he's doing on the defensive end, how hard he competes, are, like his pathway throughout the league has turned him into a really tough defender. And now that he's getting his shot back, I mean, Pacers in general, super impressed. Tyree's making everybody better. And cool to see that – uh I'll I'll give my one of my shout outs to to him. That yeah, 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 for sure. He's definitely been he's definitely been a good turnaround piece for them and obviously one of the few guys on the Pacers team that actually likes to play a bit of a bit of defense. But uh on Tyrese, like obviously the other night he had like the first guy since since uh the only guy other than Chris Paul, I should say, that had a twenty twenty game with uh with zero turnovers. Then he became just the third guy after Johnson and, and Stockton to have back to back twenty twenty games. So the, like what this guy is able to do in terms of his all-around game is just so impressive on the offensive end. And I think the record all time is 30 assists in a game. I'm going to I'm going to claim here now that Tyrese Halliburton will will beat that at some point in his career. That if anyone's going to do it in this league it would be him, right? And I believe it. Who else you got? Number 1, the obvious one. There can only there can only be one obvious. man. 2023 has been his year. Shea Gilgis yep, Alexander. There you go. Thank you. Right answer. Right answer. He has made him, he has turned himself into not just a superstar, but now one of the untradeables. I think he's got to that sort of level. There, like he is the franchise. He would cost too much that no, no one could offer enough to, to what he could bring. Like what he did last year was exceptional. Now he's doing the exact same thing, but in a winning team. And that that te- that's a, a whole different thing, and it's unbelievable that he's able to do that. Averaging thirty one six and six, leading the league in steals, he has like forty more steals than like anyone else in the league. Still shooting really efficient from uh from the field, and now the Thunder are, are winning games, and the way he's leading this team, you're literally like, oh my god, are they already a legit playoff contender? Does that make him a MVP like? Like in terms of narrative, where does that put him in an MVP situation? Because gotta be up Luke, there. Luke... He's he's top three. Him, it's him, Luca, and probably Jokic. Obviously, Embiid is there too. But obviously, like you mentioned about the games being played, like it, yeah. I think him and Luca, as long as the Mavs can sustain the the top six sort of push in the in the West, I think him and Luca are the guys to really watch out for. Yeah, you just look at the the defensive end too. When it when it just comes to voting. And just the, it's it's gonna be so fascinating to see because it'll come down to, um, you know, narrative. It's all gonna come down to narrative. That, that's what it does because all these players are amazing. But what he's doing with the young team and the jump that the Thunder are gonna make from being out of the playoffs too. And we we talked about this before. Um, and I still couldn't think. Did you think of anybody? What team has not made the playoffs and then made like a deep run? Like who has made the Western Conference Finals? And I, th- like, I only can think of LeBron going back to Cleveland and then ending that drought. The Suns, the Suns were one. Obviously, they brought in Chris Paul, but the Suns were kind of the the, the main one that like, I, I came up with. Like, I was looking back over the last, like, 20 years. Like, there's no one really that hasn't made, like, a like a, bring it, like LeBron come back to Cleveland. is like, that was obviously next level. But, like, outside of that, there was no one that had, like, Everyone had at least kind of gone to the playoffs the year before and got knocked out in the first round before going on a deep run outside of uh, the Suns, but they obviously did it by bringing in Chris Paul. Yeah, the only other close thing to like an organic uh, jump is maybe 
maybe the Warriors. I'm I'm trying to remember yeah, what kind of yeah. jump they had from not not making the playoffs, and then there was uh, was it the seventy three win? It was the year before the seventy three win season, I think. Um, but yeah, they won the title and, before they did that. Yeah, yeah. What was that? Was that the year? Now, now this you got to remind you're the NBA history person here. Why, yeah, why so they won the title in twenty fifteen, and then they won the seventy three games the following season. So were they in the playoffs the year before the title? That title year. Yes. Yes. Yes, they were. Yeah. This will this will this will be material for another day because. Yeah. But in terms of but... let's just talk about the Thunder. Like the only thing that I'm looking at them now is we saw a young team uh, really struggle in the playoffs. Uh, due to a lack of rebounding in the Minnesota Timberwolves a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm, true. The Thunder are not a very good rebounding team. They're actually a very bad rebounding team. It would be interesting to see how big of an impact it would have on them. Like we saw with the Timberwolves, they really struggled. Uh, rebounding was a massive part of why they lost to the Grizzlies that that uh, two years ago in the playoffs, and they, they looked to amend that by going all out on the... And getting Rudy Gobert, so it would be very interesting to see if the the Thunder suffered a similar sort of fate. Yeah, that I mean, I, I've been thinking about that uh, this whole season, really, because that that's the only big detraction I can take from the Thunder. Um, 29th in opponent in opponents' offensive rebounding, 29th in opponents' offensive rebounding percentage, and they are 29th in defensive rebounding percentage, like all around the board. Um, and it's it's so they don't have like that big, they they need they need like a guy like a a big guy like a true big, someone who can really put a body on it like a their Stephen Adams type of guy, who can their his job is box out, and let the other guys get a rebound and run, um. But really, besides that, I mean, I I think they're geared up to, I think they have enough, especially because you say that you got Shea, who's gonna argue to be the best player on the floor no matter what, whoever you're facing. And then you got Chet, the guy who's going to be the best defender in the series, and you build around him. You probably are putting up the best defense in in the series, unless, unless what? I mean, look, look, they 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 beat the Nuggets, and they've created a system against the Nuggets. They, and it works. Having Chet off ball to to really help on Jokic, like that is something that has worked, and not a lot of things have worked against Jokic. Very few things. Almost nothing has worked against Jokic, and they found something two times. So I, I really can't help but think that this is going to be the best turnaround in maybe NBA history if they make it pretty far in the in the playoffs for a team that has not made a big trade, has not made a big signing. It's just their guys. Yeah, like yeah, like and like people would probably mention like Shea, but like no, like he's basically organically grown through that system. Like when they when they got him he was a, a rookie who was just after after averaging 11 points per game uh he has grown into this star in in okc they have developed him into this into this elite player so this is about as organic as it comes so far maybe they will make a move because obviously they have all the assets in, in in the world to be able to make moves and maybe they'll need to but even without doing it you still have to think that they could definitely be a team that that wins at least one playoff series if not more so, my that was gonna be my my main shout out. I mean, what what else is more to say? He's putting up Michael Jordan numbers again. That wasn't a flash in the pan. There, there was a time where, um, you know, him and Dejounte Murray were kind of on the come up together, and but both guys to look out for, most improved player type of guys. Fast forward to now, and he's you're talking about him in the same likes of Giannis and the same likes of Luca. The same likes of Jokic, he's an MVP caliber caliber player, and it's it's crazy to see it continue. And the aforementioned Anthony Edwards, I think that's that's where he's going as well. So I think I think you nailed it on the head. Anthony Davis was kind of a uh, that was that was a charity that was a charity pick. Congratulations for for being you and, and not being injured. Otherwise, hey. I like your list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. You're just happy that he's not injured on your uh, your fantasy team. That that's why he's there. Yes, of course. That, that, that is also that is obviously a, a, the most important thing. Forget about the, the success of the Lakers or his his uh, personal success. It's all about my the success of my fantasy team, and he's uh, he's been a big part of why my team is not <laughs> bottom of the league at least. <laughs> but uh, I think that's gonna round it out. So uh, 
Thanks to Chris for joining me. Thank you all so much for listening. A happy new year to everybody. Go out and have some fun. And here's to a happy 2024. And here's to an exciting 2024 with, uh, I think, a, a great year of basketball ahead of us. 